Once, long past the time when wishes helped one, there lived a girl who was meant to be a woman. They gave her all of the things that an adult should have, an education to pay for, bills to pay for, and to keep a roof over her head, she had to pay for that as well. But like a child, she did not have the money for these things. So she thought it would be best to set out to seek her fortune. At first, she tried to do this in the best way she knew. She sat down before her computer, and she opened up pages and pages of jobs, and she scrolled through them all. Some of them wanted more years of experience than she had been alive. Often, those that paid enough to support her did not offer enough hours, or those that offered enough hours did not pay enough. Others just sounded so grueling that they wouldn't be worth the effort. She thought that none of them suited her, but she applied to them anyway. She gave them her resume, then filled the same information piece by piece into little boxes. Then they told her that to give her anything, they would first have to assess her. She wondered what they needed her resume for, if not to do that, but they had her take surveys as well. They gave her a series of statements and wanted to know if she agreed or disagreed with them. It began, Item number one. You are optimistic about the future. Now, she disagreed, especially as walking into traffic often felt like a good alternative to doing the dishes. But she thought that they wouldn't want to hear that, so she marked that she strongly agreed. It went on, Item number two. You are outgoing and love to meet new people. That depended wholly upon the time, and the place, and indeed the people in question. But the assessment bade her to rate her feelings on the subject, as if social context could be pinned down by the numbers one through five. Once again, she selected five. But it just kept going and going. Item number 57. You believe that everyone steals from their employers sometimes. She had no real thoughts one way or the other, aside from wondering if anyone did have firm beliefs on the subject. Once again, she knew that they were using other people to measure her, fearing that she might use everyone does it as a justification. But they couldn't just come out and say these things. Now, she was autistic and often only considered what was in front of her. This made the test difficult in places, but she hoped that she could perform neurotypically enough to deceive it. So although it was all quite strange and unseemly, she hit submit when she had answered everything. Then all she could do was wait to hear back. She received several emails, which thanked her for her time, but said that the companies would be moving ahead with other candidates. So those other candidates moved ahead? and she stayed in the same spot in front of her computer. Still, time was moving forward, too. There was rent to pay, and once again bills, at least if she wanted to keep the internet in her home. Perhaps she could go to the library. But there were times when she thought that she'd starve before she could even get to the grocery store. She said to the computer, Now am I to starve because I'm not one of these other candidates? Perhaps I'm not the best, but I've got to eat like anyone else. Haven't you got anything for me other than these? I'm afraid not, 
the computer replied. And with all these subscriptions, your email would tell you before I could anyhow. So she waited, and she applied for anything that she hadn't already. This went on for days, and the elders in her life began to complain. They told her that she ought to apply for more jobs, although she had made almost a full-time position out of the applications. Would someone only pay her for that, she would be fine. Then they told her, well, of course. She ought to make some calls, pound some pavement, put herself in their faces where they might see and hire her. First, she tried calling places where she had already applied. She asked politely if there was a manager available, and she did make sure to say why she was calling, for she didn't want to waste more time than she already had. But even then, she got no answers other than, You'll just have to wait. We'll call you if you're needed. Then she finally made herself go out. But at the very first place she visited, she learned the truth of what she had suspected. She approached a clerk with her question, and since they were very kind, they quickly shushed her and said, The manager hates people asking. He says it's a sign of impatience, and he won't hire anyone who asks about it. I'm sorry, but you'll need to wait. So she left at once, rather than risk making things worse than they were. Although she told them this, her relatives gave her no peace. Her mother said that she just needed to try harder, as though she could somehow put more effort into filling out the same surveys. Her father scolded her for wasting time, and when she explained how she had been spending her time, she was only scolded harder. After all, the scene she described did not match her father's expectations, and so could not possibly be reality. This went on until she remembered that she could hang up on them now, and that would be that. However, her only chance was that a hiring manager might call her. So she sat with her phone by her day and night, and kept the volume up even at three in the morning, just so that she did not forget to turn it on until three in the afternoon. She got excited when one day her phone rang. It was a local number that she didn't recognize, so she answered it at once. However, it was only an elderly person asking for directions to some restaurant. The young woman informed them that they had the wrong number and waited for them to argue. The elderly person apologized politely enough, however, and did not fuss at her. So she sighed, and since she thought she had nothing better to do with her time, she pulled up directions for them on Google and read out the way. They thanked her, and in their gratitude assured her that from now on, she would never have to worry about reception or data, even in the wildest of places. Then finally, she got a call about a job, or rather, an interview. Though this didn't guarantee a livelihood, nothing could do that, for it seemed there was no right to anything but guns in this land. It still filled her heart with joy. She prepared to the best of her ability, even bringing her high heels along in her purse, so that she could travel with the speed of her sneakers and still look presentable once she arrived. She changed outside the door, then greeted the clerk who told her to wait by the counter. Already her toes dug into the tips of her shoes, but there was nothing she could do but stand and ache. The time for her interview came and went. It was fifteen minutes past before anyone saw her, and she was quite glad to sit down. They asked her why she wanted the job, 
She artfully explained that she enjoyed helping people and thought that working with customers would let her do this. They asked her what her greatest weakness was, and she told them that she could at times be too methodical because she always wished to do her best. They asked her about how she worked with the team, and she assured them, oh, very well. Some of this was even true. She could only hope it all sounded true enough to matter. Perkiness was surely the same as honesty and customer service, wasn't it? They told her they would call, and she took her leave. Sure enough, a few days later, she got a call from the same number again. She hoped that after this, she might be able to save it in her phone as work. She answered it as graciously as she could manage. Hello, this is Rachel. The voice on the other end said, Hi, Rachel. It was great to speak with you the other day. We've decided to go ahead and hire you. She was delighted to hear this, and thanked the speaker profusely. They set a date to begin the onboarding process, and hardly a week later, she was beginning her first shift. She was looking forward to it, or rather, to the compensation that she would receive. She immediately took on as many hours as she could, although the work was quite taxing. There were always several things to do at once, and always a customer ready with a joke about how they were giving her something to do. There was always a new procedure to learn, or else something being changed, and always a customer ready to tell her how simple the work was, and that she ought to finish her education. And there was always something that she and her co-workers had missed, and so a customer ready to demand a discount for this mistake. And perhaps all this would have been worth the money, but the problem then was with the money's worth instead. She still could not afford rent and food together, and while there may not have been shame in welfare, it struck her as troubling that she could work 37 hours a week and yet not survive on these efforts. Furthermore, she wondered what it was about her job that made other humans forget that she was one of them. First, there was the woman who thought that coupons worked like a spell. Now, this was true. They did work that way. The trouble was how the woman thought that spells worked, as magic free of rules and regulations that might just get her whatever she wanted. So when the woman presented three coupons, and the register refused to process them, Rachel had the task of explaining the terms and conditions. What do you mean? the woman demanded. I've got three items, so I want to use three coupons. Yes, ma'am, I'm sorry. It's just that the coupons aren't based on the items. Only one is allowed per transaction. Rachel might also have suggested trying a few other transactions, if the woman had not already been so rude. She did try to persuade the register, but it was being stubborn, and anyhow had not programmed itself. She wouldn't trouble it further. You know said the woman. They would let me do this at your competitor. She said it like a threat, and Rachel merely simpered and apologized. The only reason she did not say, good, then go there, was because she wouldn't have wished this human on anyone. They did not pay her enough to care about each customer, not when this one was holding up the line as it was. But not even this was good enough for the woman, who said, I want to speak to a manager. She spoke these words as if they, too, were a spell. And since Rachel was far too tired and hurried to argue, it worked. 
She got the manager, and the manager gave the woman whatever she pleased. So no doubt the woman left the store thinking herself a great magician, when really she was just cruel and selfish. It left Rachel's heart full of bitter barbs, a porcupine's aftermath of resentment. Then on another day, when it was time to close, there were several customers in the store still. Rachel suggested making an announcement, but the supervisor frowned at her. He said, We wouldn't want to make our customers feel rushed. But every employee wanted just that. These customers were not special, and they were here to perform a business transaction. The rules of the business ought to have applied to them as well as anyone, and surely employees of the business should have had at least the power to enforce that much. But apparently it was better that everyone be able to get their soda and shampoo at midnight than it was for Rachel and her companions to rest. So she sighed and busied herself with the go-backs. But one of these customers heard her sighing and saw fit to complain about her attitude. They said, Sorry for making you do your job, princess. She gave them a tired smile, but her filter was already too worn away. Actually, my job is to be here until midnight, but it's past that, and I had to come in early today. There was no room in their heart for sympathy, however. They insisted, this is terrible service. But thankfully, their offense was so great that they stormed out. Rachel had to add their snacks to the go-backs, but all in all, she got home a few minutes sooner. She held out as long as she could in this way, but matters came to a head one day when a foul man at the counter would not stop flirting with her. First he asked what she was doing after work. She said that she was busy. Second he asked what with, and she told him that she would be watching horror movies. Third he scoffed, and then asked if she'd like to see a real good time. She was quite resentful that he would dismiss her interests, and frustrated by the four hours of customer service ahead of her. So she snapped out the truth. Sir, I'm a lesbian. Leave me be! Then he said something filthy about her sexuality. A word that no one who didn't share it should have said. She stood there for a moment, stunned, and then cursed at him. You'd make a better slug than a man. Get out of my sight! So he changed then morphing into a small, gooey creature and oozing away. But unfortunately, the manager called her to his office soon after that, and he said, Now, what was that? We can't have anyone cursing the customers. They might not shop here. Of course they will, she replied. There's hardly anywhere else left to go. Well, still, it sets a poor example. What? But he was harassing me. I don't care. You ought to have taken it. That's what we pay you for. She snapped. You've never paid me enough for that. But there was nothing she could do, and she had to promise to behave herself in front of customers, no matter how this galled her. For her behavior had been perfectly correct, and she knew she had not been wrong to be angry. The man had behaved in a slimy way, so now he was a slimy thing. But then, she was written up on top of it. So, for all that she had done, and as hard as she had tried, she was still punished. But then she had to ask. If it wasn't her fault, then whose was it? It happened that one night, 
She was using the internet and chatting with her computer about various things. Normally, she just tried to relax after work, but she began to wonder if she might be able to seek her fortune through other means, now that she had a little experience. But as she went about this, she found the reviews for her current employers. Many of them were dissatisfied, and claimed that those in charge must have been greedy beasts, determined that no one but themselves should have a fortune. Rachel thought this was odd at first, but it would certainly explain how things had gone. They didn't care what happened to those below them, only that they could dig their claws in deep and draw out the money like blood. Then everyone else would be too tired and hurt to seek it, and the beasts could keep their hoard. But the slaying of beasts was a tried-and-true method of finding one's fortune, so she thought that she might as well try it. On her next day off, she googled the address of their corporate headquarters, and as the building was nearby, she went there. The Girl Who Set Out to Seek a Living Wage will be concluded in Part 2. It was written, produced, and performed by Jenny Sparks. Music from Musopen.org All music recordings used are within the public domain. To find more writing and to support the artist, please go to patreon.com slash Jenny Sparkling. Check the description for more info. Thank you for listening. <laughs>